This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Arnold Golden and Gregory. Welcome to Energy Matters, a show about how you can save money on your utility bills, use technology wisely, and live a more sustainable lifestyle. Here's your host, veteran energy regulator and clean energy expert, Commissioner Tim Eccles. Thank you, Scott Slade. It's always great to be saving money on your power bill to use technology wisely and to live a more sustainable life. I'm Tim Eccles. I serve on the Public Service Commission. We do this radio show on the weekends. We're glad you're joining us today. My co-host, Indicator Georgia, Casey Boyce. Casey, how's it going? I'm good, Tim. Good morning to you and everyone out there. Well, Casey, it looks like we're going to probably go through the entire year with a lot of COVID protocol, and I heard that Broadway may not even open at all in 2021, and I, I hate that because I, I do love a good Broadway show. As, as we all know. <laughs> yeah. So that's unfortunate, but uh, we'll continue on and uh, just hope that our country is able to, to get through this. Uh, meanwhile, we've got a, a great guest uh, today. We've had his colleague, Jim Malcolm, on, uh, but Joel Gilbert from Apogee is going to be on because they put, uh, they put some loggers in my house, and we're going to hear all about what loggers are, and uh, we're going to get a, a kind of a real-time uh, reading of what's going on with my HVAC unit and the efficiency of my house. So, Joel, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Thank you both. Hey, we're, we're glad to have you on. And, you know, we talk about using technology wisely, and uh, your company certainly uh, does a lot of things. We talked about pay as you save uh, and kind of a prepay program with Jim Malcolm, your colleague. But tell us about these loggers and why people use them. Why, why, why do you guys promote this and how, do, how does it help before we get into the actual results from my home? Well, sure enough, one of the reasons that we have been using them lately, especially, is that the technology of temperature measurement has improved so dramatically in the last decade or so. And what you wouldn't be able to see years ago because the temperature monitoring wasn't terribly accurate, you can see now very clearly. And the reason for temperature monitoring is that we all know what's going on in our house from a comfort perspective or lack thereof. And temperature monitoring kind of gives you a picture of why you're uncomfortable in the house. Typically uh, due to sun coming into the windows when you didn't want it or drafts coming in uh, that make you uncomfortable in the winter. But temperature is pretty intuitive. Uh, Over the years we had hoped that the smart grid data would be intuitive but it really doesn't penetrate the average American very well from an intuition perspective. It's kind of geeky and and we who are in the business understand it but the average American doesn't. So temperatures and showing people their temperature in the home and how it varies around the house uh, is an easy way to engage the customer. And Joel, can you just describe real quickly, like what do these data loggers look like that, that you guys put in Tim's home? Well, there are lots of different styles and types, and uh, but they're generally a little brick-like. They're, they're about the size of uh, maybe about six or eight sugar cubes. Uh, it's a little bit bigger than a thumb drive, and they uh, are many different manufacturers out there. The, the ones that... Uh, uh, Mr. Eccles, Commissioner Eccles has in his house were made uh, out of Northern Ireland and they're very, very precise. Uh, But you can buy them in the United States from uh, Onset, the Hobo Loggers and others. There there are plenty of them out there. And including the ones you were mentioning, Casey, that come along with your existing uh, thermostats. The Ecobee has a little beeth, I think is what they call it, which is a little remote unit that can monitor individual rooms. And that helps the Ecobee adjust for variations around your home. So, Joel, you sent me four of these and uh, you had me place these in various parts of the house. So take our audience through the four loggers that I had and what those loggers told you over a period of time. Well, and that was your choice as to where you put them, of course, but what I asked you to do is put one near the thermostat because that's the, uh, act, the active agent in the house and then put them around the house on the uh, different areas facing east and west and south, uh, largely to see if there's a variation during the day. Most people become uncomfortable 
due to uh, the sun typically heating an area uh, and uh, creating some disparities, dis disparate uh, temperatures in the house. You may be perfectly comfortable sitting in one room and then another room just, uh, if you will, breaks away and becomes uncomfortable as the sun swings around during the day. So what you did was put them and then uh, I looked online to see where the data was indicating and they indicated they were monitoring so I said just leave them there. And what you want to do is leave them there for enough days to see how the weather impacts the house. And uh, fortunately here, over the last week, we had some nice weather plus a little cool evenings. Cool evenings are, are really helpful because typically we can see periods of time when the HVAC has turned off and you can watch the house naturally respond to the outside air. Yeah, so... I placed one in our bedroom, in, uh, in my great room that kind of faces uh, the afternoon sun, in my daughter's room that faces uh, the morning sun. So, uh, and then one kind of by my foyer uh, that was by my front door where the, both doors were opening a lot. So uh, I was getting some, some breeze, uh, breeze coming in just for a moment as the door opened. But that door probably opens and closes maybe maybe 20 or 25 times a day with all the different folks coming through my house. So uh, what did the loggers tell you? Well, I'm glad to hear that level of detail. I didn't see it in the data, which says, number one, that your house has good air balance, meaning if the door had opened and, and the outside air had rushed in, I would have seen that. So... For, your, for the record, and I did send you the picture of the data, your, your house isn't, uh, isn't what, what we call negative pressure balance, meaning that the air's not just rushing in because that would have shown. What was interesting in yours, and it's kind of unusual as, as the days went on, uh, we didn't unfortunately have a day of really bright hot sun to see how bad it could have gotten because most of the days in the last couple of weeks have been um, mostly overcast. And so if it was really hot and sunny, we would have seen possibly more variation. The biggest thing I had as a takeaway is the air balance in your house was good, meaning no one room was running away. Uh, when we do this monitoring for people, we typically see a room just, just depart. It just kind of goes south. And it's usually due to sun facing or really, really poor insulation in that room. Just as an illustration, because it's a good, uh, we in Georgia have these rooms that are amongst the professionals called frogs, finished rooms over garages. And they are troubling from a difficulty to keep them comfortable, partly because they're over the garage, which of course in the summer is hot. But also when the contractor builds the house, they very often don't have enough ductwork to bring enough cool or heat in them. So they typically depart from the rest of the house. Uh, your home looked like it was a ranch, I mean, it's all on one level, so you didn't have that finished room over the garage. But uh, one of your bedrooms probably is very close to the garage, and if the garage does heat up, it can affect the bedroom. One, our previous house, and I built it, and it was very well built, uh, we had a problem with my wife sitting in that one room because she was actually sitting next to the garage. And what we realized was that the contractor hadn't put enough insulation in that wall and the, wall, and the outside air that was in that garage was coming through and affecting her comfort. Yeah, and this house, when we first got it, we did have Jackson EMC do a very comprehensive energy audit and they said, look, if you'll double the insulation, we'll give you a rebate on your house. And so very quickly, we doubled the insulation in this house, including insulating that attic door with a little tent. Uh, and I've been extremely pleased. In fact, I was so pleased that I moved myself off the time of use rate back on the standard rate because I just had not seen a strong enough difference in the performance and our audience knows that Casey and, and I talk all the time about, about the time of use rate and its, uh, its, its possible impact on your pocketbook. But in this case, because the EMCs run their time of use from 3 to 8 p.m. instead of 2 to 7, which is what Casey has with Georgia Power, I just felt like, you know, I just, I'm just not going to torture myself uh, the way that I've done before on multiple time of use rates uh, and and not 
crank my air until 801 because as I get older, Joel, um, I find myself getting into my pajamas by about 7 p.m. and and heading towards the bed. (laughs) Uh, Casey, uh, you're on the time of use rate, but you're two to seven, right? That's right. Yep. And your your experience has been good. Explain to the audience uh, what a time of use rate is here in our last minute. Yeah, so very quickly, time of use basically charges you a different amount uh, for the electricity you use depending on when you use it. So with the Georgia Power time of use, I'm actually on the EV plan, which provides three different windows. But the super peak period is two to seven in the summertime. We're actually just about to to finish that up as we record here. Um, uh, And that is, I think, 25 cents per kilowatt hour. So you really, really don't want to use energy during those peak periods. And then off-peak is kind of similar to the standard rate. It's 12 cents or so a kilowatt hour. And then super off-peak, which is from 11 p.m. to 7 a.m., which is when we charge our EVs, that's extra cheap. It's like a cent and a half per kilowatt hour. You know, as, as folks begin to, I guess, be a little more savvy about how they use energy, there are really some great opportunities to save money Hey, I'd like to keep Joel over one more one more segment, if we can, uh, to talk a little more about these loggers and why it's important. Maybe whether you should consider putting these loggers in your home and having uh, Apogee or another company test these. So stick around with us one more segment of the Shows It Matters Radio. I'm at Tim Eccles. Casey is at Casey Boys. We'll be back in just a minute. Energy Matters would like to thank GasSouth for its support of the show. GasSouth has a no-deposit policy and offers some of the lowest per-therm rates in the state. Use the promo code MATTERS for a special deal. GasSouth, the difference is good. GasSouth believes in the difference we can all make, like the difference in putting people first and showing that you care. For us, our difference is saving people money with our best rates and no deposit. And the difference we make in our community by taking care of our friends and neighbors and giving back 5% of our profits to help children in need. Learn more about what makes us different at GasSouth.com. GasSouth. The difference is good. Logan Booker, producer of Energy Matters, here for Green Power EMC. From the suburbs to rural farming communities, Georgia is enjoying the benefits of a more sustainable future through the power of solar energy. Available from 38 of Georgia's member-owned electric membership cooperatives, or EMCs, these not-for-profit utilities are harnessing the sun's energy to bring clean, renewable, and affordable electricity to 4.2 million Georgians. For more information, visit www.greenpoweremc.com or contact your local EMC. This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Arnold, Golden, and Gregory, an AMLAW 200 law firm with 180 attorneys in Atlanta and Washington, D.C. They take a business sensibility approach when advising clients. They provide industry knowledge, attention to detail, transparency, and value to help businesses and individuals achieve their definition of success. AGG subscribes to the belief not if, but how. We thank John Gornall and all the attorneys and staff at AGG for sponsoring our show. Hey, this is Tim Eccles. We're back on Energy Matters. I've got my co-host as always, Casey Boyce. Casey, how's it going? Good. This is a great conversation. Looking forward to hearing more about data loggers from our guest, Joel Gilbert, this morning. Hey, if you're out there and you're listening, go ahead and grab that extra caffeine this morning. We, we want you to catch what we're doing here and why. Joel, uh, a lot of folks Maybe they're not quite as geeky as you, me, and Casey, and they've got better things to do with their life other than think and talk about energy, probably. Uh, But, Joel, why do you tell people they should run these loggers in their house? How does it, I guess, how does it differ from an energy audit, or would you say this really should be part of any audit? That's a great question. It's actually the reason I wrote a book on this uh, about seven years ago. The book is called It's the Thermostat, Stupid. It was a takeoff of James Carville's uh, tagline for the election way back, uh, It's the Economy, Stupid. And the, the reason I wrote the book is that everybody's got a thermostat, but nobody really knows what it's doing. And you might think you know what it's doing because you've programmed it, but frankly, you probably don't even know what you've programmed until you watch how it controls the temperature in your home. The, the thing that is, is stunning 
when you look at this, and you can, uh, you know, Casey, earlier you were talking about the Ecobees in your house. They're great thermostats. I have them in our, our house too. And there's a monitoring program right in there that you can actually look at the temperature and watch it change and watch the thermostat acting. Uh, most importantly, you can also watch what's going on in your house when the thermostat is not uh, turning on and off. So you can actually watch the house drift especially at this time of the year here in Georgia as the cold weather comes in. You stop running the air and, you know, eventually you might want to turn that heat on. And uh, during that interim time, you can watch the temperature drift up and down as it gets warm or cold or whether the sun comes out. And it can tell you a lot about what's going on in the house. Joel, one of the things that came out in the Jackson EMC audit that I had is they said that I was not getting enough fresh air into my system, into my house. And what is that called? Air sealing? What's the, what's the technical word for that? Well, that's an air balance problem, technically. Uh-huh. It's a supply return air balance. And and what happens in, in houses that are like yours that have been built with air conditioning in them from the beginning, in general, they are they should be balanced what can happen and we have this problem all the time in florida working down there you get an old house that was built there before air conditioning pre 1950s cinder block construction they added air because they wanted to be there year round and they couldn't put the return air ducts uh, in the individual rooms they just couldn't get to them and so uh, what they would do is use a hole a central hole return and and that was fine when they first did that but then when they carpeted the house and the undercut doors were no longer allowing air return you would starve the return air and then because all of the supply air and the return air weren't balanced you wind up with what's generally referred to as a pressure balance to your point uh, this can become very important when you retrofit a house uh, because you may seal up the ducts and create a pressure problem. That's why there are several organizations that worry about this when you have internal uh, water heaters and and sources of combustion because you don't want to build up uh, combustion gases in the house. So, Joel, I'm I'm curious. We we talked a little bit about the Ecobees, right? They come with the sensors that you can look at it, and it is really cool. By the way, for those who haven't looked at the Ecobee dashboard, I'll try and post a picture on on my Twitter feed during the the show so that folks can get a sense of what it looks like. But, you know, if you're just, a, you know, you don't want to put new thermostats in, you don't want to get an Ecobee, I'm assuming you can go get these data loggers somewhere, correct? The average person's not going to be that interested to watch the data all the time. And for less than 20 or 30 bucks, you can go on Amazon and get something you can put in the room and it'll monitor your humidity and temperature and you can watch okay. it. Uh, if you want something that's going to record and feed out to your computer, you're probably up at the 80 to $100 level. Uh, and, and then, you know, you can go on from there to put the system. The one that we put in Commissioner Eccles' house has a little base unit that, that continuously reports to the Internet and to our servers. And then he has individual loggers that he's put around. Them. Sorry to interrupt, Joel, but I mean, clearly you've been working with these for a while and you've got a good sense of how to interpret the data. So I, I'm just curious if you can give our listeners maybe some guidance in terms of, you know, if they're, they're going to go do this themselves, whether it's through the Ecobee or these data loggers that that you're mentioning that folks can go out and buy. How would I look at the graph and kind of understand what I need to do to my house? Or do I need to go to a professional like, you know, you or an HVAC contractor? Or how, how does that work? That's a great question. And of course, uh, there are many contractors who know all about this and actually use this. And there are also retrofit contractors who do high-performance homes throughout Georgia uh, who will uh, use loggers for different purposes. So it's it's a robust uh, technology. The question, honestly, is, well, who cares that much? Normally, there has to be something in your house that you're curious about, typically a comfort problem. And the question is, why am I having a comfort problem? Well, uh, the loggers, by looking at one area of the house and comparing it to the other, you can very often see heat gain, heat loss issues uh, associated with all kinds of things that happen in the house. <laughs> wow. So the, the story is uh, typical for two-story homes here in Georgia where uh, the upstairs thermostat can be triggered because of the afternoon sun 
to turn on and control the uh, the area that otherwise become too uh, uncomfortably warm. And then the air from the air conditioner upstairs goes down the stairs and actually triggers the lower floor thermostat to turn the heat on. And it's, it's somewhat humorous and somewhat common. Uh, and you normally wouldn't detect that unless you had a, a thermal monitor to, to watch the thermostat turn on and turn off upstairs and downstairs. From the standpoint of just fun, if you are a technical person, it is interesting to watch that. Um, of course, with an Ecobee, you could monitor this directly. You can see the system uh, doing that. But it is interesting to watch the temperatures change, especially if one room's uncomfortable. And again, the typical reason for that is either sun or uh, possibly that room is up next to the garage and the garage, uh, especially in the summer, gets very warm, especially when you, <laughs> you come home from work and you put your hot car in the garage close the garage door and of course that comes right through the wall. Wow I've never thought about the fact that the car is hot and heats up the ceiling which then makes its way up stairs to the to the bonus room so to speak. Hey just in our last three minutes I'd like for you to take me through uh, my loggers and any any takeaways that you saw uh, from my house. So I had I had your four loggers in my house and they were running for a couple of weeks um, so what did you what did you learn and maybe you can start with them just one at a time? Well, the first thing is your house does very well together in terms of all the rooms are controlled very nicely for off the master thermostat. There wasn't almost any variation uh, east, west, north, south in your house. Uh, the loggers were all recording very similar temperatures. So no area of your house was what we call breaking away from the others. And, and that's, that's really good. Uh, another one was there were no large solar impacts that we could see. The late afternoon sun wasn't heating up an area very much. So the house is tight, uh, and there wasn't anything uh, uh, from coming from your attic. Uh, normally, especially in speculative-built houses, uh, you can have uh, you can have an attic issue, meaning that that this the attic warms up, and then it tends to, in the middle of the night, keep your air conditioning running because it just bleeds heat, even though the outside air temperature is falling. We didn't see any of that, so your house is operating nicely as a unit and all the areas are running pretty consistent with each other. You know, Joel, I wonder if we're very disciplined with our blinds. So, you know, about 3 o'clock in the afternoon on the back side of the house that faces west, we, we tilt those blinds up so we don't get that sun in there. And then we put room darkening curtains on the front side of the house for the two daughters, one, you know, so that they don't wake up in the morning, but also – to block that heat and those are very heavy blinds that are uh, not blinds but but drapes that we have for their room you think that's paying dividends for us yeah that would explain exactly what we saw in the temperature data i would say good good work your your uh, your discipline around keeping the sun effects low uh, is showing because there was virtually no impact so what about my fire? I, I like to have a fire almost every evening during the winter. Does that have an impact uh, on my heating system at all? I know it doesn't now because I didn't have a fire when the loggers were in, but would you say that would have an impact? Yes. Uh, by definition, when you open the flue to your damper and you run the fire, you're going to pull air out of the house, and that means outside air is going to come and replace it, and, and that's that's what it should do. Uh, but the fact is, if it didn't, you'd fill your house with smoke from your fireplace. The That is a, a loss on the house uh, by, by its very nature. It may be affordable and, and reasonable in your case uh, because your house is well built. One of the things that older homes, especially very old homes, that were already uh, challenges because they're not that tight, uh, that fireplace, leaving that flue open all the time creates what's called the chimney effect and that warm air rises. And so if you have a house, especially an older home, uh, you really want to make sure when you're not using that fireplace that you turn the damper shut uh, to at least reduce that loss. If they're interested in what we're doing, uh, it, it is www.apogee.net, A-P-O-G-E-E.net. And our clients are the energy companies that many of your listeners uh, have in the state and around the country. 
Well, thanks for being on the show today. That's my pleasure. Hey, this is Tim Eccles. You're listening to Energy Matters. Stick around for more great energy talk. Creative Solar USA is a Georgia-based turnkey installer of innovative solar panel systems. With their NABCEP certified installers, they ensure you receive the highest quality solar energy system in the industry. They're proud to work with you before, during, and after the install, blending customer demand, system capability, and expertise to provide the best service possible. Contact them today at 770-485-7438 or creativesolarusa.com. Tim Eccles for Marlin Gas Services. As the port continues to grow, more and more trucking companies are using natural gas in their trucks instead of diesel. Marlin Gas Services is helping to usher in this clean opportunity. With their specialized rigs, they create virtual pipelines with all the equipment and expertise to provide reliable, clean natural gas. Marlin Gas is the company that gas utilities, pipeline companies, and industrial facilities turn to. See MarlinGas.com for more information. This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by BMVW Auto Sales. COVID-19 has changed everything, even buying a car. BMVW Auto Sales, one of our show sponsors, not only sanitizes every car, but you can buy it online and they'll trailer it to your home anywhere in Georgia and surrounding states. They've used electric cars, plug-in hybrids, and traditional hybrids. Check out the inventory at ev-hybrid.com. That's ev-hybrid.com. They have a three-day loaner period as well if you want to make sure electric works for you. Check them out at ev-hybrid.com. Hey, welcome back to Energy Matters. This is Tim Eccles, and I've got my co-host Casey Boyce and Decatur. Katie, Casey, how's it going? Good, Tim. We're going to Casey. Um, we just had Joel on, and one of the things that he said to me as we were kind of going through, you know, my logger test that he did on my house mm-hmm. was that the discipline that I have of shutting these room darkening curtains on the on the sunny side of the house in the morning. And then the blinds in the afternoon, shutting those on the, the back side of the house, he said the logger really tells that story. That's that interesting. Blocking, yeah. blocking the heat from coming into your house, I mean, it, you know, it, it, do, do you think that it makes that big a difference for folks to, to, to block sunlight in the summertime out of their home? Well, I, I mean, the numbers don't lie, right? I mean, Joel talked about how that made a difference for you guys, and I know I've shared – before on the show, and I'll, I'll try to retweet a uh, copy of the video, um, but, you know, my house was designed to reject sunlight during the summer, so we've got tons of windows, but a lot of them are under fairly deep uh, roof sections so that we don't get a lot of direct light during the summer. And he suggested that I reverse the behavior in the winter, ah, yeah. that I go ahead and yeah. open, open it up, open up the room darkening curtains uh, on the girls' side of the house in the morning, and then let the sun shine in in the afternoon and i asked him about burning a fire uh and the impact that that might have and he said those flues really suck air out of your house and to, he he warned our listeners as you remember to hey, make sure that you know during the summer when you're not using your fireplace make sure you close that because your air is just going straight up out of there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when when we built our house, we put in a wood-burning stove, and it actually draws air from the outside, combusts it, and then up the chimney. So there's no internal air that gets sucked up the chimney there, and that thing puts out a lot of heat in the winter. It's really nice to have going on the cold days we have. Well, Casey, the Petit Le Mans uh, and the EV Performance Corral is just around the corner. I will actually be recording the next show from there, uh, from the corral, and we've talked about this, Casey. It really has been a dream of mine for about, I'd say about eight years. I've been wanting to do this. And it really wasn't until Peter Heinzelman came along to Cobb EMC, a former race car driver himself, that I found a friend, right, who really <laughs> cared about yeah. this. And and Peter really has made this happen because he's got the relationship with Chip at Jackson EMC. And I'm a member of Jackson EMC, but I've never been able to get – you know, to to ask them for something so substantial. But Peter was able to just almost just snap his fingers and get it done. That's awesome. And, you know, the, the Petit Le Mans uh, coming up, I know, I know, Tim, you've been there 
uh, before a number of times I've been up there. It's it's a great event uh, for folks to go attend, and I'm super excited that that the EV Corral is happening this year. A good opportunity for people to come up and see that EVs aren't just glorified golf carts, right? Yeah, that's right. And they're only letting in half the capacity that they would normally let in. So if you're out there, you're concerned about COVID and COVID protocol, you're going to be able to drive into this track. They're going to take your temperature in your car. Uh, you could actually drive in. Uh, normally, they charge $50 to get into the infill. This year, they've waived that. Hmm. So you can drive your car into the infill. You can park along the track. You can watch the race uh, and, and leave and never actually get out and have to have an interaction with a human being. Uh, and so from a COVID perspective, I mean, that's certainly going to be a great option. And for the rest of us that are like doing the EV performance corral, we're going to have masks available. We're going to be socially distancing, Casey, and we're going to have QR codes, Casey, on all of our showcase vehicles, hmm. uh, as well as the big Georgia Power Envision solar unit, the ARC. Uh, as they call it, it was made in San Diego. And this is like There's a solar be... panel EV charger thing. Is that right? Yeah. So this it looks like almost like a solar tree, uh, but it's got chargers built into the base of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that will be on display. You can walk up to any of these cars, including the Porsche Taycan, the ED, the the Audi e-tron, uh, the Fisker that we're going to have there, uh, and uh, maybe a Mustang Mach One. Uh, electric we're working on that right now with ford you can you know just take a picture you know of the qr code and up comes a video or information about that car and then our concierge will have mask on they'll instruct you with more information if you're interested we'll have many seminars going underneath the ev uh, pavilion so if if you've ever been out to road atlanta for the petite lamar you know there's a fan zone we're directly across the access road from the fan zone. We would love to have you come by and say hello. That's awesome. It should be a great event, Tim. I'm, uh, I think it's a, a great thing to expose folks. And as I said, Petit Le Mans a lot of fun. We're going to have a camper set up. Actually, my son and I uh, down near Turn 10, and he's in the Coast Guard. He's he's coming up. We're going to be staying at the track. Uh, so uh, the race is a whole lot more than just a race, Casey. It's uh, it really is an incredible fan experience, and yeah, COVID's putting a little bit of a little bit of a damper on it this year. But you know, we're going to be camping there. We're going to have a fire at night. He's actually going to have his camper powered by solar. Oh, cool. uh, we're putting we're putting uh, eight solar panels on the top of that. We're even running an air condition. So if you want to see if you want to see how you can camp with no electricity. Uh, using solar plus batteries and an AC, uh, I'll take you over there and show you that as well. That's awesome. And did I hear, uh, too, that the uh, the folks who are going to be in the EV performance corral are going to get some parade laps on the track? Yeah, so if you're, if you're paying to be in our corral, so it costs $75 to park with us if you have a performance EV, uh, then you're going to get three laps on the track. Uh, I believe they're going to have us out there Thursday afternoon. Nice. Uh, so... Uh, I mean, you'll be able to get out there. I mean, they're not going to let you race each other or anything like that, but you'll be you'll be going pretty fast. Have, have uh, you made it out at, on the track before, Tim? I've never been out on the track before of uh, driving. I've ridden with someone, mm-hmm. uh, just done a small little parade lap with with a person, but I've never actually gotten to drive. It's a lot of fun. I mean, even if you're just doing the parade lap thing where, like you said, you're not racing, you're not going 10 tenths, but you can get some decent speed out there and you can really get a very different perspective of the the track than you do when you're a spectator when you actually go in there and you see where you know the turns and the elevation and it's it's a lot of fun definitely something to look forward to you know casey i was coming back from north dakota on a delta flight and i watched um ford versus ferrari movie which is a a movie about the lamar race in france and that track's a whole lot longer it's about it's about almost five times longer than the you know the road atlanta track but you know what it reminded me of casey is the late don panis who died a couple years ago don panis created a hybrid uh hybrid electric race car Mm -hmm. i mean it had a gas engine but it had uh, a, a hybrid component to it and this was back in the late 90s 
really before the Prius was even invented. And, uh, I mean, he's passed on now. He used to own Road Atlanta, and uh, he was a really a man before his time. And it had been his dream to race a fully electric car at Le Mans. And he, he passed away suddenly on September 11th, 2018, and he didn't get to do that. But, you know, as I... As I watched the Ford versus Ferrari, uh, I, I thought about Don, and I thought about just what a, you know, really what a, uh, kind of an entrepreneur he was in the area of not just racing and inventing the nicotine patch and all these other patents that he had, but also he really, really wanted to create a performance electric vehicle that could compete at that level yeah well that's definitely a laudable goal and you know it's interesting thinking about the technology i I don't know if you've followed formula e at all these are all electric formula racers so like open wheeled uh, race cars and when they first started for their first couple of seasons they actually needed two cars for a race because the battery had run out so they'd come mid-race and the drivers had swapped to a new car get in, out and finish the uh, the race in their second car. And battery technology has come along so far that, you know, now they're racing with just one car for the race. And so I, I would suspect you need a little bit more battery to do something like the Le Mans with a, you know, 24-hour endurance race. But uh, but it, it's, you know, it's changing quickly. I, I imagine we'll be there fairly soon. You know, Casey, I hesitate to post this video uh, that I shot in Montreal on the Formula E course because, I had rented one of those little bikes. I was in Montreal for the Formula E race that you mentioned, and I got up really early that morning, and I took my bike with my camera out onto the track. Now, the police did intercept me and asked me to leave (laughs) the track in French. I think they were asking me to leave, but I, I did, but not before I got about 60 seconds of cool video on the Formula E track. <laughs> but if you come to Road Atlanta, I promise, no French police there. And if you're in our EV performance corral, you're going to get out on the track. Three parade laps, as we talked about earlier, KC. It's uh, just going to be a fantastic experience. Racing, hey, this is a part of being in the South, right? I, I live in Houston from about four different racetracks within about 30 minutes. So racing is a big part of what we do in the South. And EVs are making their way into that space, and we certainly want to showcase the high performance of these EVs. So go to RoadAtlanta.com, get your ticket, and if you've got a performance EV like a Tesla, which is you know the most popular one, then go ahead and buy your Corral Pass. is $75, and join us in that corral. We're going to have many seminars. You're going to get the parade laps. We're going to have hospitality there. Uh, there'll, be, there'll be about 50,000 people out at this event so i hope you can join us there stick around in case he's going to talk with me about a couple interviews that i've done recently and how solar plus batteries are coming our way i'm tim eccles you're listening to energy matters everyone has tough times in their life by checking the project share box at the bottom of your utility bill you can make life a little easier for your neighbors your $1, 2 or $5 checkoff is matched by the utility and then used by the Salvation Army to help folks having a tough time paying their energy bills. It's that easy. Join PSC Commissioner Tim Eccles and many others by donating via your power bills this year. See more by clicking projectshareinfo.com. And thank you. Hey, this is Tim Eccles. We talk all the time on Energy Matters about buying a used EV instead of a new one. Let someone else pay the depreciation. BMVW Auto Sales, one of our show sponsors, can fix you up. Go to their website at ev-hybrid.com to see the ever-changing inventory. BMVW has every brand, every type of EV, and they'll even let you test drive it for three days, show you how to charge it and drive it for maximum performance. That's ev-hybrid.com. ev hybrid.com COVID-19 has changed everything, even buying a car. BMVW Auto Sales, one of our show sponsors, not only sanitizes every car, but you can buy it online and they'll trailer it to your home anywhere in Georgia and surrounding states. They've used electric cars, plug-in hybrids, and traditional hybrids. Check out the inventory at ev-hybrid.com. That's ev-hybrid.com. They have a three-day loaner period as well if you want to make sure electric works for you. Check them out at ev-hybrid.com. 
Welcome back to Energy Matters. I'm Casey Boyce, along with Tim Eccles here. And Tim, I wanted to talk to you about some things that I've seen recently. Those who follow either you or me on Twitter probably saw the video uh, that was posted. It was a great short video from Conservatives for Clean Energy, an interview that, that you did talking about the history of solar in Georgia. And I think that they called you the architect of solar in Georgia. Is that right? Yeah, I guess they could have called me worse things. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I actually took it as a compliment. And if you watch the video, Casey, as I know you did, uh, I gave Commissioner McDonald a lot of credit. Uh, and in his as video, he deserves, yeah. yeah, in his video, they called him the solar godfather. And it was really on on his muscle that we got the really first big batch of solar. Uh, we got. Oh, we got 50 megawatts in 2011, 210 in 12, and another 525 uh, in 13. And that was all Commissioner McDonald. That was all McDonald. Mm -hmm. But, you know, as we moved from there, I really began to try to to take advantage of situations that we had, whether it was a rate case or an integrated resource plan where I could add not just more utility scale solar but where we could do creative things like community solar and then in this last rate case being able to get net metering casey that one policy had evaded us for so many years and it had been the number one request from rooftop solar companies and folks that eventually owned their own solar like you casey uh, people were mm -hmm. saying hey you know i'm you know, I'm behind the meter with my solar. I'm using it on my house, but I'd really like to get more money out of it. So uh, one of the things the video didn't go into, and I, I know we've talked about this a lot on the show, right? You know, the benefits of solar and kind of what it's like to go solar. But but why was this important to you? Wow. Uh, I got solar on my house in Athens in 2010. It was solar thermal. And back then, Casey, I knew nothing really about any of this stuff, but I knew that I wanted to learn. And and by putting it on my house, it kind of forced me to kind of learn about how it worked, what it cost, how the credits worked. I created the Solar Express. I began really promoting this and encouraging people like you, Casey, to make a, a substantial financial investment. Some people, twenty, twenty-five, thirty, forty thousand dollars of investment on your house. And I felt like, you know, the power company they're too hostile towards these people. I want to see that change. I want to bring the power company to the table here. And so that is really what what Commissioner McDonald, uh, myself, and Commissioner Everett did in 2013, is that we said, look, Georgia Power, you're going to be engaged with this. You're going to be at the head of the table. We want you to make this work. Yeah, you may make some money out of it, too, but we want you to make this work because we believe that the citizens of Georgia want to experience this. And so by forcing the power company to do something that they didn't want to do, in this case, you know, to, to really take on a leadership role of solar, they learned, they are making money on it, and Georgia has really moved ahead at, at a lightning speed compared to where we were uh, on solar. So I know we've talked about this on the show. Again, this is sort of a refresher, but it's a good refresher, right? Which is, you know, as a commissioner, you think a lot about the reliability of the electric system and certainly about rates, right? I mean, you know, we've got really competitive rates down here. It's part of our economic development story, and we don't want to saddle people with really big energy bills. How does solar play into your thinking related to those things? You know, when I went to Germany and saw that the German government was subsidizing their solar so heavily, uh, I, I felt like, man, they're rushing it over here. Why are they, why are they moving so forward at such a fast, fast pace? And it was because they were closing their, in part, because they were closing their nuclear reactors. That wasn't the only thing, but they were they were going to have a substantial need for more energy. And mm -hmm. they felt like that, hey, solar and wind, because they've actually got more wind than they do solar over there, but they really wanted the German people to embrace it. And so they created these policies that were quite lucrative for German citizens, and people were taking advantage of it. But it did cause energy prices to, to go up and stay up. And I felt like, you know, I want to have solar. But I don't want to go as fast as they're going, especially if it means saddling people with a subsidy. 
And I guess, Casey, that's kind of where my conservative Republican politics come into play. I want to do it, but at what cost, right? Yeah, well, and, and I mean, I think the, the thing that, you know, when I look at the energy markets and, and certainly, you know, you're thinking about this much more, you know, locally to Georgia, but the economics are there for solar and for wind in, in most parts of the country. So I, I believe, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, the, the solar energy that um, Georgia Power has brought onto the system that's helping reduce rates fractionally for folks. Is that not true? Yeah, folks. I mean, folks are surprised when I tell them this, Casey, that that we put we basically put a ceiling on it and said, look, the solar in this state can't go above avoided costs. But the fact of the matter is it came in below. The bids came in below, Yeah, and, which means that that solar energy is is the cheapest on the grid. Uh, and. I mean, no, it's not cheaper than reactors that we built in 1987. That's what I'm talking about. But it, it's cheaper than anything we're putting on the grid right now. And mm-hmm. uh, and that means that it's fractionally lowering everybody's bill. So you may hate, you know, you may hate solar out there. And I meet people that hate that hate solar and hate EVs. But if you're in Georgia, you need to thank, thank your neighbor that has solar because because solar in Georgia is reducing everybody's bills, Casey. So you mentioned the other energy sources that are on the grid. And, you know, again, kind of thinking from a national lens, there are a lot of places where new solar and wind is actually cheaper than operating existing fossil fuel plants, whether it's natural gas, whether it's coal, whatever. And and that was something that kind of surprised me in the conservatives for clean energy video is at the very end of it. I'd love for you to talk more about this because I'm not sure I, I fully make the link here. You talk about how the coal ash cleanups that we're having to deal with right now in Georgia may drive us to get more solar plus storage on the grid. Why is that? We got into the cost of of complying with these coal ash regulations in our last IRP, which stands for Integrated Resource Plan, and our rate case and discovered that, wow, we're going to spend more than $7 billion over the next 50 years just cleaning this stuff up. And we don't get any energy for that, Casey. There's nothing constructive that comes out of it or other than being able to check a box saying that you've complied with the Environmental Protection Division. And mm-hmm. I just I felt like, you know, had my predecessors on the Public Service Commission, we've been around since 18, 1879, that had those commissioners known the complete cost of coal back, way back when and factored that cost into the future, almost like we do with a, with a nuclear, nuclear energy decommissioning on our plant mm-hmm. sites, because we do this with our nuclear plants. The decommissioning for that nuclear plant has to be considered up front. Well, with coal... They didn't know. Those commissioners, probably the power company, didn't know all that was going to be happening in, you know, in 2019, 2020 and beyond. And, Casey, it's just going to be super expensive for us to deal with this. And, you know, there are folks that out there that are concerned. They're concerned about water quality. They're concerned, hey, sure. I live near this plan. And um, But the good news, as I mentioned in the interview with Jim Galloway, and folks can just go to AJC.com and – and they can just type in my name and they'll, you know, they'll see the article. But the good news, Casey, is that a lot of this ash is being sold right now, the, the new ash, and that the legacy ash, as we call it, this in the ground, in these ponds, just really millions and millions of tons of it, uh, hundreds of millions of tons, to be truthful, that that legacy ash can be exhumed rejuvenated and sold and so as i told galloway in the article eventually i think it all goes away uh, because once close coal plants are closed there's not any new ash available and where are you going to get the ash well it's in the pond you're going to have to dig it up you're going to have to rejuvenate it sell it because it goes into cement it has an adhesive effect it it does make cement better and so your roads your parking deck uh, your cooling towers, anything that's got cement in it has could be up to 12 percent coal ash. Uh, so it is being used and I think it's going to have a benefit in the future. 
So fun fact, the uh, siding, the cement board siding on my house actually has fly ash in it. So I'm doing my part. <laughs> wow. How does that lead to more solar and storage? I think because, uh, because now we have to factor in the cost of coal ash that when these coal plants bid in the future on our capacity plan, that solar plus batteries is going to be able to compete with it and possibly be cheaper. So, we, so it makes it more economically. It does make solar, yeah, it. It makes solar plus batteries cheaper. Very cool. Well, Casey's uh, great to have Joel on the show today. Great to talk about uh, the Petit Lamar race coming up. I hope folks join us uh, October 14th through the 17th uh, there at Road Atlanta or tune in to hear our show about it. And I was uh, really grateful for Conservatives for Clean Energy being able to do this interview. And if you hadn't had a chance to take a look at it, uh, I'm posting it on uh, my Twitter feed at Tim Eccles. And Casey, you're at? I met Casey Boyce on Twitter. Well, great. Well, everyone, thank you for joining in. You can always go to WGAURadio.com forward slash energy matters forward slash. So that's two forward slashes there and listen to any back episode of the show. Well, thanks a lot, Casey, for being on today. Yep. Glad to be here and we'll see you soon. Yeah. Hey, this is Tim Eccles. You've been listening to Energy Matters. Have a great day, everybody. The electric car revolution is coming, and the choices are growing. Gem cars are everywhere. You've seen these low-speed electric vehicles on college campuses, downtown Atlanta streets, and resort islands like St. Simons and Jekyll. Gem cars are street legal, equipped with seatbelts, headlights, and a tag, and can operate on roads with speed limits of 35 miles per hour or less. If you want to know more about these electric cars and trucks, six-passenger shuttles, mobile repair service, or full vehicle wraps, go to GemCarService.com. That's G-E-M, CarService.com. Tim Eccles of Energy Matters here for Solar Sun World. No doubt you've seen solar panels popping up all over the state. If you want the precision of German engineering when it comes to solar, Solar Sun World is for you. Gerd and all the folks at Solar Sun World understand the complexities of solar and how to make it work for you. From tax credits to inverters to accelerated depreciation, they'll advise you on the best path forward. And Solar Sun World now offers power purchase agreements. Find them at solarsunworld.com. Solarsunworld.com.